Welcome to Stay Gold, a Outsiders podcast. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I am joined as always by... Esme Mulberry. Esme, we are watching our way through the 2005 release of The Outsiders, the complete novel, in five-minute segments. So we've made it to our second segment. So this is five minutes to ten minutes. So the the second five minutes of of the movie. Um, So before we get into what happens, we need to mention what was previously on Stay Gold. (laughs) Okay, so in the previous five minutes... Main character Ponyboy was walking home, and he gets attacked by five Socias. They have him on the ground. They're <laughs> they have him pinned to the ground. They're holding a knife. They just cut his throat. He was yelling. So they're going to try to shut him up by shoving a cloth down his throat, and that's where we ended. What a cliffhanger! <laughs> I didn't know that five minutes were going to end on such a cliffhanger. So let's jump right into uh, right into the action. So. As we open up this five minutes, they're they're shoving the handkerchief down or into his mouth, not down his throat. They're not trying to like yeah. choke him. They're just trying to keep him quiet. And all of a sudden, we notice the Socias jump up and run back to their car as Ponyboy is lying on the ground. And mm-hmm. it's really well done because you're not quite sure are they doing this because they're nervous that he's bleeding. Like you're not sure why they yeah. do this. Which is very true to what it is in the book is he's kind of confused. He just hears footsteps and they leave. Yeah. So uh, then we notice that uh, as they're trying to pile into the car, that uh, three of Pony Boy's fellow greasers uh, come to are, are coming to his aid, uh, Two-Bit, Steve, and his brother Soda Pop. And they all get to them in the car and they're, so they're starting to try to like pull them out of the car mm-hmm. or keep them from getting into the car. Um, and then we cut to seeing Pony Boy's oldest brother, Derry, uh, and his best friend, Johnny. And they see, so they're like kind of standing off. It's like they've heard what's happening and they're, they've come up. And we see Derry kind of run towards, uh, run towards Pony Boy. But something that really bothers me with that scene is Johnny just stays there and I don't think he ever goes over. I wonder. Uh, now, now we haven't gotten into Johnny's backstory, but we will notice that Johnny has like a scar cut on his yeah. face. Um, and uh, I wonder if he's just wants to keep his distance from a fight at this point. I think that that's what they're trying to do, but it's just in the book, they all run over like right away. And it just, in a way it bothers me that it's like one of them wouldn't run over and it's like Ponyboy's best friend. Yeah. And it just, it bothers me. Well, especially because Derry is not running to the fight. Derry's running to Ponyboy. So yeah. it would make sense for Johnny to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wonder if it's because they want to just have this moment where we give the three brothers, which is what we're going to end up with. Yeah. And if you have Johnny in there. It's weird. It's an extra character. Mm-hmm. Like, but you're right. Narratively, like it doesn't, that, that doesn't quite, that doesn't quite make sense. Um, so uh, at the after this, we see uh, Dally Dallas Winston um, running to get into the action. He sort of like appears out of nowhere, jumping onto this porch and starts running. It's like his <laughs> his like greaser spidey sense kicks up, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, something's happening!" And he and, like and, jumps over a railing. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. He's the best entrance. It is of it any is, of them. It is a pretty solid entrance. Um, so we see Dally Two Bit Steve and Soda 
trying to pull the socias out of the car. The car manages to drive off, and we hear both sides sort of throwing um, threats at each other about, mm-hmm. like, how we're going to get you next time. Um, there's also this great moment. So in the book, it talks about how, like, they were then throwing rocks at the car, and that's kind of what it is in the movie, too. But Dally picks up this stick, and it's huge. It's like a tree branch. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to throw it at the car and misses. It's super Yeah, funny. he definitely can't throw it far <laughs> enough. Um, so, so as they're doing this, uh, we see Derry is checking out Pony Boy, and Soda Pop from the background runs up as well. So here's where we get that three, yeah. the three brothers together. Uh, and Soda tries to comfort, uh, tries to comfort pony boy while Derry is scolding him for walking by himself and he mm-hmm. says you know you 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 don't ever think right so we're what we're seeing here and this is a what i love about this five minutes is this five minutes is all about introducing the characters and the dynamics yeah so we're seeing um what we might think of and this is not true to the curtis family but what we might think of as a typical nuclear family dynamic where Derry is the father who's strict and scolding mm-hmm. soda pop is the mother who's sort of loving and comforting right now in reality we from the book we know that that's not actually what the curtis mm-hmm. family is like because pony boy talks a lot about his father and how yeah. his father looks like his dairy looks like his father but dairy is a lot more strict and pony boy would interpret it as cruel yeah <laughs> compared to his father now whether dairy's actually cruel we'll have to get into um but but we definitely see that dynamic of like pony boy is trying to or soda pop's trying to comfort pony boy mm-hmm. while while dairy is like what were you thinking you never think like he's he's scolding him even though he's the victim in this yeah. Um, and he, you know, scolds him for saying, you know, all you ever think about is movies and books. I wish you could concentrate on something else for once in a while. Um, so Soda, Soda proposes that maybe he should concentrate on girls and cars because that works for him. <laughs> so I like this because yeah. we, we break out of that dynamic and we and we're like, well, they are they are all brothers and boys. Yeah. But okay, one thing I don't like about this in the movie is this kind of scene. It kind of happens in the book too. It's it's a little different. But the difference in the book is when Soda Pop, like, makes those jokes, he gets Ponyboy and Derry to laugh and, like, smile. Where in the movie, since they don't, it more kind of plays off of, like, Soda Pop's kind of dumb and can't read the room and doesn't know when he should be serious. So it just, it bothered me how that played off. Yeah, because Soda is the peacemaker in the family. Yeah. And and and, and it's like, it's like it doesn't work in this moment mm-hmm. uh, because we should be getting a little bit something else from, from Derry there, potentially. Um, <clears throat> so Derry says that if he goes off by himself, he should, he should bring a blade with him. Um, and Soda points out that that would just give the Sochas, uh, you know, a, more of an excuse to cut, to cut him up even mm-hmm. more. Um, and then Derry says, sort of snaps at Soda and says, like, if I wanted advice from my kid brother about my other kid brother, I would ask for it, kid brother, <laughs> right? So there is this sense of, like, he is establishing his place in the hierarchy. I'd also like to point out, like, pretty much those exact lines are in the book. Like, it, yes. this scene has a lot of lines that are very much like that's exactly what's said. And we should point out, we have not made it to the beginning of the 1983 movie yet. Yeah, nope. not even we're, close. We're not, we're not there yet. Um, so as, as, uh, Derry walks into the house, Pony asks why Derry's always like that, why he's mm-hmm. always scolding. Cause they're, they're not that different in age. Uh, Derry is 
21. 20? No, yeah, he's 20. He's 20 and Soda's 14? No, Pony Boy's 14. Soda I'm Pop, sorry, sorry, Pony Boy's Soda 14. Soda Pop is 16, but he's almost 17. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so like they're all pretty close in age, yeah. relatively speaking. So he says, why is he always like that? And Soda says he has more worries than he used to. Okay. Right here, there's a lot of differences from the book. So in the book, right after um, like Pony Boy gets jumped and then they all come and defend him and like after kind of the fight parts over, um, all of them come back and they all sit down together in the street and have a conversation where in this, since they're so close to the house, Derry goes inside and then isn't a part of the conversation with the rest of the group, which I think actually changes it a lot because it changes how you perceive him and his role. And then another difference too is that those lines that Pony Boy and Soda Pop just had are in the book later at night when they're going right. to sleep. Right. And and we'll see at the end of this five minutes, that's mm-hmm. kind of where we're that's the yeah. scene we're gonna we're gonna end on. Yeah, no, I think I think that that's really interesting. Like like this is such a crucial scene for setting up characters. And I think narratively in the movie, they want to hide dairy from you for a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, as you point out in, you know, this scene isn't in the theatrical release. It's a while until we meet dairy in the yeah, theatrical and release. And the first thing you see of dairy, you get a very different feel of him. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, this, this scene functions to do that. Um, so then at this point in the background, we see Dally who's sitting on this kind of, uh, junker car, mm-hmm. you know, um, in there, in, in, in the driveway. And he steps up to ask how Pony Boy is. Um, and, uh, Pony Boy kind of shrugs it off and asks Dally how long, uh, when did he get out of the cooler? Um, so what's interesting is you realize at this point, you learn something about Dally, right? Dally's mm-hmm. been in jail and, when we see Dally running to this scene, I don't know if any of these folks have seen Dally since he's been in jail. This might be the yeah. reintroduction of Dally into the group. Because mm-hmm. um, Ponyboy clearly hasn't seen him because he didn't even know he was out of jail. Uh, there's also an interesting thing here, too, where when he asks if Ponyboy is okay, I'm pretty sure in the book it's 2-Bit who asked that. And if you watch this scene compared to the book, they play up Dally as more of a caring person way more. Mm-hmm way more yeah yeah i mean this scene is really to us does a lot of things to establish the relationship between dally and johnny yeah and dally and pony boy yeah they play that up way more yeah so um so then steve jumps in is and is upset at pony boy for walking by himself and pony boy's like why is that your business and steve says look at my nose it's my business <laughs> right because he's got a bloody nose and then i think it's pony boy who says it's huge right yeah which is just like a dig at at uh at steve curtis's or excuse me steve randall's or tom cruise's nose yeah um so so there's it's just this, this sort of funny moment um in there um like I said, this is clearly the first time since they've seen uh, Dally. He's had a he had a ninety day sentence, but he got out on good behavior, mm-hmm. um, as he claims. So at this point, we see Dally walk over to Johnny. Now he's already established is Pony Boy okay. Now he walks over uh, to Johnny uh, to see how he's doing, and Johnny says it would be better if the Soshas stayed on the south side of town. Mm-hmm. Well, in the book, he. I don't think in this scene ever talks to Johnny directly. He never's like, oh, how are you? Um, he 
yeah he like they don't they really play up this relationship a lot more of like they're good friends and there's actually well not even that they're good friends but, there like, they is care this about like each other. yes yeah and there's even this part in the book where pony boy says like johnny won't open his mouth unless talked to directly and that's the thing of like he doesn't really talk in that scene because no one talks to him directly yeah what what i like about this though and i will say Although this is different than the book, this is not inconsistent with the book. Yes. That um, – I don't know if you've had this experience. I've definitely had this experience in life as a kid where it's like there is somebody and maybe it's like an older cousin or somebody at school who's like – that is like this person that I look at as super cool and I'm kind of blown away that they're showing any attention to me at all. Yeah. You know, and it's like – so this is one of those things where I feel like this scene – establishes the centrality of Dallas Winston in this group. Yeah. And, but we're also seeing like, he's the one who's going to each one of the youngest members of the group and, and is checking in on them because these are the folks who have, uh, pony boy has the most recent run in with the socials. And as we'll, we'll find out, Johnny has the deepest trauma. From, yeah. Um, from run-ins with the socials. Um, so, now, it says – he says in there the socials should stay on the south side of town. Now, this is a nitpicky thing. But yeah. isn't it east-west in it's the book? It's east-west. Socials I are on the west I wonder why side. they did that. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Because it's definitely the west side socials. Yeah. And, 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 and now, you could say, well, why does this matter? It matters because of – to my mind, yeah. it matters because of the metaphor of the sunset. Yes, that's what I was going to say, too. Because the sun sets in the west. Yeah. It sets, it, and there's about, this is about the beauty of the sunset. So there's this idea that the Sochas, the, the sun sets on them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is sort of, it is, it is. Yeah, I mean, it matters. It, it it doesn't matter, but like metaphorically, yeah. the, the east-west matters. And I'm not sure why they changed And that. also like, it's a thing too of, since then the sun rises in the east and like later in the book when Ponyboy watches the sun rise, he's kind of like, I've never watched this before. It's really beautiful. So I think that's another part of it too of like, their side's good too. So it, yeah, like it does have a lot of meaning having it east and west. So so that that jumped out at me and I just, and, and yeah. I, I just thought that was, was kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, Steve jumps in and says that we're going to have it out with them sooner or later, right? Mm-hmm. That, that it's like, okay, that, you know, that the socials, that there's this sort of imminent, um, big fight that's coming or maybe yeah. war that's coming. There have been, there have been skirmishes, but like the big war is coming and this movie definitely has a set piece for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Dally asked Johnny if those were the same guys that got him. Remember, Johnny has this, like, scar on his face. And I I know in the book they talk a lot about this scene. Does This is going to come up in the movie where we'll get a little of Johnny's backstory, right? Um, So in the movie they talk about it, but not really in depth. So the point of, the, of like, this part is to establish that it happened. But a thing that's different is, for one thing, like, my interpretation in the book was like mentioning that was kind of a thing you didn't do. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't bring up that because it was like a really traumatic experience for Johnny. And then also the scrape on his face looks kind of recent. Uh, yes. And in the book, it was four months previous. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, there's a line later in the book where I was like, were those the same guys? But it's about a different group of socias. Yep. And it's said by Ponyboy to Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, it, it's it's about compression. But I think yeah. I'm okay with this. I actually think this, this functions pretty mm-hmm. well. So, Dally asks him if it's the same guys. And Johnny says it was other guys. And Dally says, now that I'm out, I'm going to make it my business to get the guy who did that to your face. So, we like, we, yeah. we, we, we established that there was this um, major... Um, Major sin from the socials in mm-hmm. terms of what they do with what and they this did to Johnny. Also plays up a lot more Johnny and Dally's relationship. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so Two Bit offers to be Pony's personal bodyguard at this point, and Pony <laughs> kind of blows him off. Yeah, which I which I like. Um, this is a line change in the book because in the book he's like, "Next time you want to go to a movie, any of us would go with you," which I like that more because it's such a more caring thing for him to say of like. Any of us will help you where this is like, I'm going to make a joke out of this situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Steve asks Dally then uh, if he and his girlfriend Sylvia want to go to the game with them, uh, with he and Soda Pop uh, the next night. Uh, Pony Boy jumps in and says that he wants to, but Soda says that, says that they're taking their girls, Evie and Sandy, and Steve jumps in and says, no kids allowed. <laughs> okay, this is actually a really big book difference, and... I realize I'm making a lot of these. But, but I think these are character yeah, moments. They're this character is, moments. This actually, like, changes a lot about how this scene is, like, seen. So in the book, Dally gives the first invitation of, like, I'm going to go to the drive-in tomorrow night. Who wants to come? Then Steve says, like, we're going to go to the game with our girlfriends. He never says no kids allowed, but he looks at Ponyboy. And Ponyboy, in the narration, says that, like... Steve hates him because Steve sees him as a tagalon, but Ponyboy only ever comes if Soda Pop invites him. So it's then a really different dynamic when Ponyboy asks if he can come, mm-hmm. and that um, Steve then out loud is like, "No, you're not going to come to this." And then it sets up it sets up what Dally says next, which again is a character point for Dally because mm-hmm. Dally s- says no. He says that he's going to try to find some action and he says little kids are allowed. Yeah. So he's basically throwing down saying like, uh, Pony Boy, Johnny, come with me. Like, like, yeah. like well, let's, let's go have a good time. And it's yet again putting his character in much more of like, look, he's a caring person. Where in the book, it's much more subtle and you definitely don't see it in this scene, right? And you don't. It, so, what what'll be what's interesting is, do you think it undercuts the ending of the book, where we towards the end of the book, where we see Dally like really be heroic? I think it does because, like, the first time reading it, you do kind of perceive Dally as like not the best person and you're like okay i guess he does some good things he's a good man in a crisis and then at the end you realize like oh my gosh he's actually a very caring person where in this it's like it shows you right away like look how much he loves them and it's Although, very different i will say to defend the movie because obviously the movie has to do different work in a yeah. different amount of time but also like we are pouring over what is like a three minute scene mm-hmm. where I think when I watched this the first time, I don't think I paid a lot of attention to like, what is this scene telling me? Like I didn't, I didn't look yeah. at it like a text. It all just kind of happens. And if you pay attention, you're like, Oh, we're, they're laying out a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. here that I don't know that that track seems as obvious 
if you're not slowing down to yeah. kind of to kind of pay attention to it that way. Personally, I noticed the Dally stuff just because that's the Johnny Dally relationship is like my favorite thing in the book, and it's really interesting to me. And it bothered me that they changed it in that way because it makes it less impactful at the end. Sure. In a way. Yeah, I I I, I think like you, it's helpful to lay some ground work. Yeah, on I that. see from yeah. a movie making standpoint a lot of the changes because because part of it is we're not able to, and I think the the no kids allowed thing. We're not able to be in Pony Boy's head like we are yeah. in the book. So we have to exteriorize some of this stuff. Yeah. A lot of the stuff I wrote down, I was like, I get why they changed this in the movie, but I'm still going to write it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Johnny jumps at the chance to join Dally. Uh, Pony doesn't want trouble with the cops. So he thinks when uh, when Dally says, you know, find some action, he's like, uh, I know the kind of action that you're into. Um uh, he says that that Derry says that the court would split them up if he got in trouble with yeah. the cops. And Dally assures him that he doesn't uh, that he just wants to go see a movie like the old days. So yeah. he's like, let's just go have some what is for Dally good clean fun. Yeah, I actually really like the kind of like split us up thing because it does introduce that really early. Um, because I feel like in the book they do introduce it early, but not as early. Um, but one other change. From the book to the movie is in the movie, Johnny's the one who's like, yeah, Pony Boy and I will go with you. In the book, it's Pony Boy who says, Johnny and I will go with you. Because at this point, I don't think Johnny said anything. Mm-hmm. Dally has not talked directly to Johnny. So then it and that's when the line of like, Johnny will never speak unless directly spoken to. So this also changes the Johnny character a lot as like he is more willing to to speak and like voice what he's thinking right right because he's already been welcomed into that yeah yeah and and essentially he an offer was just made to him um and then at this point two bit says that he was planning on putting down quote a few six packs of bud but if i don't get too drunk i'll come to join you um which is uh, i think it's a different uh I think he's more vague about what he's drinking in the book. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm going to go drink and I'll find you if Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Um So then we see that that over kind of to the right of the screen, uh Soda and Steve are wrestling on an old car. Um Steve does a front somersault off the hood and misses the landing. We don't see him miss the landing because like the, the car is in front yeah, of it, but, you but he hear get, it. He, yeah, he gets up like he hit his head. And what I wonder is was that just a Cruz missed the landing and it became part of the movie or is that a character point? I don't know. I don't know. It looks like he really like hit yeah. his head. It's funny. I don't know. I laugh at it every time. Like it's so funny. Well, and I will say, okay, um, to give a little a little Tom Cruise background. Now, it, in the text of this story, mm-hmm. the greasers are canonically kind of acrobats, right? Yeah. Like, like they they have taken some gymnastics. Somebody took some gymnastic courses Derry at the took Y, them or and something. then taught them to all yeah. of the others. So they do know this kind of stuff, which is like, you know, so it's not yeah. weird to do this, but. Tom Cruise famously puts stuff like this sometimes in his movie. So the the yeah. an example of this is in the movie The Firm. Um, there's, I think, tw- once or twice in the movie he does like, you know, uh, front handsprings with this little kid on the street for no reason other than <laughs> Tom Cruise can do some like minor acrobatics. Yeah, and it's good that he can do it too because the scene where they're all kind of supposed to be like doing the acrobat stuff. 
it's kind of just him doing it. Yeah. I think there's a couple other, like, there's a maybe, like, a cartwheel in there, but yeah. it's mainly him, so yeah. I'm glad there was some of that. <laughs> I wonder if that's part of how he got cast, is, like, we have to have somebody who can <laughs> do some, like, some gymnastics here. Um, so we see 2-Bit go to his car, which is a beat-up old Plymouth, uh, and ask the others to give him a push start. Uh, and Johnny and Pony help while Dally and Soda Pop go to the porch. So just, yeah. just the, the two youngest help. So... I just have a general question about this scene. If you look at their yard, there's multiple, like, old rusty cars mm-hmm. and, like, random just, like, scrap metal. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of confused why. Uh, I think that those are visual indi- indicators of po- poverty kind of yeah. to a degree of, like, we have these old kind of junk things and maybe there's this dream of like, well, if I, I can't afford a car, but if mm-hmm. I put in the work into this like thing, I can, you know, maybe get it go Like, like th- those are just visual indicators of that. Now you can yeah. say that that's unfair because maybe that is stereotyping, mm-hmm. you know, this poor, but, but they, they are, they're, um, yeah, I would say, yeah. I would say they're, they're visual symbols, which instantly let you know something about them. I was thinking, or, or at least purport to. Do I was that. thinking about that. I also thought how like it talks about how Steve and Soda Pop both work at a gas station and know about cars, but like the other thing that bothers me is Pony Boy does talk about how like they have to make sure that like they have they clean their house really well and have gr- really good living conditions mm-hmm. so that when like a social worker comes over they don't get like in trouble for it yeah. so that's kind of my problem with yeah it. but this is the outside of the yeah 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 no uh, but i but i i do think it points to those things for sure mm-hmm. yeah like 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 this is they're also maybe and again this is this is maybe unfair and stereotypical maybe probably is mm-hmm. um but these are things that that let you know in the same way that like when pony boy got closer to home the road was a dirt road you know yeah. it's like these are indicators of like this side of the tracks poverty mm-hmm. you know um you know these uh types of things like that now what i loved about this scene is uh-huh. we saw um Johnny help push a car to get it started. Mm-hmm. A year later, in 1984, Ralph Macchio's I mom in the that. Karate Kid. This is a this is a running bit in the Karate Kid. Is they have to do the same thing to get the car started I and didn't going. Think about that. That's amazing. So he has back to back movies where that is a, a at least a minor plot point. Yeah. Oh, I that love great? that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, so after this, uh, Johnny notices that he that Dally got his Christopher back. Mm-hmm. And when I was writing when I was writing the notes for this, I was like, Christopher, what what are they talking about? Yeah. So, so I did a little I did a little digging. I thought I knew what it was, but I wasn't sure. At first, I thought that I hear that right, and then um, I did a little digging, and uh, Dally is wearing a necklace with a Saint Christopher medal on it. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with St. Christopher medals or what no. that is? So St. Christopher is the patron saint of travelers. Um, oh. So you will often find people, especially this would be Catholic people, right, who um, uh, in their cars, they may have a little St. Christopher medallion hanging mm-hmm. there, you know, because he's supposedly the saint who kind of watches over travelers. So you would put that in your car. And maybe that tells us something about the transient nature of, 
Dally's existence, that he is a traveler, that oh. he has this St. Christopher medal. I that That's the assumption that I would make now. That's kind of cool. In the book, it tells us that Dally's the one who's not from Oklahoma, that he had lived in New York and yeah. had come out. So he is... You know, in the text of the book, he is a traveler. So mm-hmm. I think that's the uh, that's the same that's the significance of the Saint Christopher Medal. Um, it also speaks to a kind of spirituality that he may or may not mm-hmm. um, have. Uh, and Dally says that his girlfriend was two timing him when he was in jail. So presumably, he got the necklace back. He had given it to her, yeah, and, and she gave it back at when they uh, when they broke up. Um, so. In the book, it's something different, right? Uh, it's a ring. Yeah, that he got off a soch, right? Isn't it? Isn't that the I story? I think it's like he he got it from like mugging a drunk guy. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought I thought I thought he got it in a fight. Mm-mm. Took it from a soch. Okay, okay. Um, and we do see Dally is wearing a ring. Yeah, but but they went to the Saint Christopher Medal, and I. I assume it's that there that there is we're supposed to read some symbolism into that yeah. if we pay attention to it at all. Uh, so here we get a great shot where Johnny's in the foreground, his face is in the foreground. He's sitting on the porch, and behind him we see Pony standing mm-hmm. on the porch. Um, it's a great it's a great like um, yeah perspective shot where half the screen is Johnny's face and then we get like a full body shot of Pony behind him uh, and Derry pops out and reminds Pony that he has homework so again we're seeing Derry in the role of um, of parent right mm-hmm. and kind of nagging parent like yeah. nothing you do is ever good enough things like that uh, and so Ponyboy is going to go and he asks Johnny if he's going home uh, and Johnny says I don't know and then the shot just stays on Johnny as Ponyboy goes in, it's a it's a, it's it's one of those shots that lingers, you know, maybe four or five seconds longer, where you just see Johnny sitting there because they don't say anything about Johnny's home life yet. Yeah, but you get this indication that like home's not necessarily a place for mm-hmm. him to go. I think that's really great visual storytelling. Yeah, if you know him, you already know what he's thinking. If you yeah. don't know him, you're like. He. This is a kid who's not in a hurry to go home. Mm-hmm. Maybe doesn't have a home. Then we see him finally get up and walk through the the yard. He kicks like a can in in the flattened can in the yard. Yeah. Again, just kind of shuffling his feet. You don't get the impression he's necessarily on his way home. Yeah, I think they did that scene really well. Yeah. Uh, so then we we cut to the Curtis house at night, an exterior of that, and we see Pony Boy staring out the window. Soda Pop is in bed and tells him to turn out the lights because he's got work in the morning. Uh, Pony shuts off the light as he gets into bed next to Soda and says, we leave them alone. So what, what I like about this is in the book, again, we're in Pony Boy's head. So we mm-hmm. know what he's thinking. Here it's like he's just saying the last words of his thought. But what it lets yeah. us know when he's staring out the window, what he's thinking about. He's thinking about... I'm- the Socias who attacked him, he's thinking about Johnny. I'm pretty sure in the book, though, that he actually says, like, says that part, like... Right, right. Him. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 I, I, I like that this gives us an indication that there is this inner monologue going. Yeah. Whether he says it out loud in the book or not, he says a lot of things internally. Mm-hmm. So this is where we get this crossover from the internal to the external. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and Soda just says... 
I don't know who can figure like who like, like he just doesn't which tells us something about soda that soda's not a deep thinker yeah you know and and pony boy is soda's like I'm gonna go to bed I have to I have to go to work and pony is really wrestling with what he thinks about this um and then this in the book is where the lines of like when soda pop says like dairy has more worries than he used to that's where those lines come in so it's right a little here. bit longer conversation yeah yeah and then um soda as they're lying in bed together. So to ask Pony if he's cold, and Pony says, a little. And that's where our five minutes end. Yeah. So that's where we will pick up uh, pick up for our next five minutes. Um, you talked a lot about the book. Are there other book things you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but I do think the really big thing from the book is that this isn't a one conversation they all have together. Like, there's kind of stuff happening in the background. Derry leaves. And I think that really changes the group dynamic Mm -hmm. in a way because in the book it's very much like they're all this community, this family who sits down and spends time together. And in the movie it's just like Derry seems like he doesn't care as much. I'm guessing it's because they have less time to get some of those characters. Because this scene is all about can we establish as many characters and as many relationships as we can? Mm-hmm. So we kind of need to get Derry to yeah. show Derry as the one who's like maybe forced to be more grown up than anybody mm-hmm. else, even though he's not much older than anybody and else. And honestly, they did a good job. Like I know I brought up a bunch of stuff in the book of what they changed, but like f- most of that stuff from a movie perspective makes sense why they would change it. Mm-hmm. Um. Where would you get, what score would you give this on a scale of one to 10 in terms of um, its fidelity to the to the book? Now, you've, you've obviously talked about lots of things that it yeah. does differently. And there was a couple other things too. Um, I honestly might give it- Now, like, now we should say in the okay. book, uh, as you're thinking about this, I, I'm just going to vamp while you think yeah. about your number. In the book, this section is full of physical descriptions of everybody. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Personality this part, descriptions. This part reads like it was written by a teenager where it's like, okay, to do a good book, I need to descriptively describe what every person looks like mm-hmm. and everything about them all. But it is like, economical. It gets through all of that. Yeah. And this scene is doing what she's doing there, um, but has to do it visually and, yeah. and without with fewer words. And honestly, like, I like how she does it in the book of just like, all right, let's get this out of the way, go in deep description of what they look like now and their personalities, and then we don't have to worry about it yep. later. And if you forget, you can always go yeah. back to that one section and we and get then this catalog. In the conversation, it then makes sense because you're like, all right, I get all the characters, I get all the relationships, I like this. Yeah, it does It does violate the sort of writing idea of show, don't tell. Yeah. <laughs> where, yeah. But, but again, this is where... You got to think this is a 15 or 16 year old writing a really, really good book. Yeah. But part of part of what it is is like, okay, let me lay everything out for you. And it's for young readers. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, I'd probably give this five minutes a pretty low score just because it changes it in a way that a lot of the characters are perceived, it, especially Dally and Johnny. Or, or at least it accelerates how we perceive yes. them. Yes. Um, and I don't like that Derry just walks away. I get why they do it, but I don't like it. So honestly, probably be like a four. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Now we should also mention, we have not yet reached the beginning of the theatrical release. Yeah. None of this. None of Other than Ponyboy sitting in his room writing that opening line, 
None of this is in the movie. Yeah, none of it. So, so which is crazy because this all seems like such important stuff. It's so important because it is the like, all right, in one scene, we're going to introduce every single character, their relationships, who they are, what they're like. And then if you lose that, you don't really understand who people are or what's happening. So if we think about this as him adding 22 minutes, we've basically covered almost 10 minutes of what was added. Yeah. <laughs> like like almost half of what was added we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. But it, like you said, it, it sheds a different light. It changes how the rest of the story goes. We'll point out to you because I think we're just about to the opening of the theatrical release. Um, but we are we are not quite there yet. Yeah. Uh, you want to do a deep dive? I think you should. Yeah, we want us to do a deep yeah. dive. All right. Uh, th- so I, last time we talked about S.E. Hinton. For this one, I thought let's just let's just jump right in and talk about the uh, the other creator of what we're talking about, and that is the director Francis Ford Coppola. I will say he's one of my favorite directors. He's directed a few of what I think are some of the greatest films uh, of all time. So I want to think about this in light of like who was Francis Ford Coppola in 1983 mm-hmm. making this movie. Um, so as I said, he's one of the great auteur directors of the 1970s. He is in, in, in lots of ways, one of the authors of what we would think of as the, the, the new Hollywood of the 1970s. He goes on this incredible run. He only makes four movies in the 1970s. Uh, but it is maybe the best four movie run that any filmmaker has ever, has ever been on. Now, these aren't the first movies he made. He has, I think two or three movies in the seventies that are, not or excuse me in the early in the late sixties they're not particularly consequential, but here are the four movies he makes in the nineteen seventies and I'll try to give a little perspective on this because you haven't seen any of these yet but you will watch all of these because you're my daughter and they're great <laughs> so in nineteen seventy two he makes the movie The Godfather. Uh, for this he wins Best Picture uh, at the Oscars. This get this movie gets ten nominations and three wins. Um, this movie on the uh, the sound, si- sight and sound list, which is this uh, every ten years, sight and sound comes out with their list of the I think two hundred greatest movies in world cinema. So to me, this is the list I go to as like okay, if we're thinking of what are the greatest movies of all time, this is the list to look to. So The Godfather is number twenty one on that list. So very very highly ranked. In nineteen seventy four, he makes a movie called The Conversation which is nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay. So it gets three nominations. It also wins the highest prize at the Cannes Film Festival, the Palme d'Or. So if we're thinking about, like, Best Picture is a high accolade for a movie, the Palme d'Or is artistically as high of an accolade for a movie, right? So so mm-hmm. 1974 wins the Palme d'Or. 1974, he also puts out a second movie, little movie called The Godfather Part 2, <laughs> which wins Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, so it's nominated for 11 Oscars, wins six, is number 31 on the sight and sound list. So he has a second movie on that list from the 1970s. And then his follow-up to that in 1979 is one of my favorite movies of all time, a, a Vietnam War movie called Apocalypse Now, which is also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, wins two Oscars. Wins the Palme d'Or at Cannes. So he wins two Best Pictures, two Palme d'Ors in the 1970s for four movies. And is number 14 on the sight and sound list. So you could not be on a more colossal run of movies. Now, another interesting thing about The Godfather in particular. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talked about The Outsiders, we said this movie 
is famous for its cast of young actors, and it launches this group of actors, you know, into these kind of amazing careers. We even gave the our inaugural Who Wins the Five Award to the casting director. The Godfather does the same thing. It's a different generation of actors, but some of the greatest actors of their generation are launched, young actors are launched by the Godfather. So in some ways you look at the outsiders and like, okay, this is another version of that. Let's collect this group of young talent and maybe launch them off into, uh, into their own great careers. So in the 1980s, he follows up Apocalypse Now in 1982 with a movie called One from the Heart. I don't know anything about this movie. I've never seen it. In 1983, he again makes two movies, The Outsiders and Rumblefish. So two S.E. Hinton uh, adaptations. Now, it's interesting. What draws him to make The Outsiders? Well, in the early 80s, there is a, a uh, uh, school librarian named Joe Ellen uh, Misican who's a librarian from Lone Star Elementary School in Fresno, California. And she writes a letter to Francis Ford Coppola on behalf of her students. Um, and in this letter, she says that, uh, that her students were so impressed with the book, The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton, that they, the students passed around a petition to have it be made into a movie. And they chose to send it to you. So they chose to send it to maybe the greatest director in Hollywood at the time, at the apex of his career. They send him this letter with a 15 pages of student signature saying, please make The Outsiders. <laughs> That's insane, right? Yeah. And he gets this letter and he says, okay, I'll read the book. And he reads S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders and is so moved by the book that he says, this is my next project. And not only does he make The Outsiders, but he makes Rumblefish as well uh, in that same year. So when he originally made his original cut of The Outsiders, now this is interesting because the the uh, complete novel is 114 minutes. Mm-hmm. His original cut of the movie is 143 minutes. So there's another half an hour that they oh filmed of gosh. this movie. Now, we don't have I didn't get the DVD for this, but apparently in the complete novel DVD there is more deleted scenes. Um so I mean they're not cut into the movie, but there's more scenes um uh Presumably from that 143-minute cut. Wow. I want to um, see those. Warner Brothers felt that the film was a mistake. They thought, we shouldn't be making this, and it's too <laughs> long. So they they pressed Coppola to cut it down to 91 minutes. And that's the theatrical release in 1983. Then in 2005, Coppola releases The Outsiders, the complete novel, which we're watching, adds 22 minutes back into the movie to make it more faithful to the book. Now, this is something Coppola has been doing throughout his career. I mean, so this is 2005. In the early 2000s, he put out a, a extended version of Apocalypse Now that adds about an hour onto that movie. Wow. He recut The Godfather uh, Part 3 and does what he calls The Godfather Coda. So he's been revisiting his movies um kind of trying to make a more definitive statement with that. So Coppola's in his 80s now. He has um he's famous for leveraging all of his success and really mortgaging his home and things like this to make these passion projects. Wow. So he is doing that one more time. He has a movie that he plans to be making. I think it's called Megapolis. Mm. Um that he plans to make and this will probably likely be his last movie, but again he is sort of mortgaging everything to say I'm going to make this movie the way I want to make it. So mm. I I love him as an artist as a filmmaker. Um so it's really interesting that he took on this novel uh to make and I think 
The Outsiders, the complete novel, really points to like this actually is a really great filmmaker making a really good film here. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we get to the five? Uh, yeah. So who won the five? Uh, I have possible nominees here, and they are all um, really basically we have the um, we have the greaser family here. So C. Thomas Howell is Pony Boy, Emilio Estevez is Two Bit. Tom Cruise is Steve Randall, Matt Dillon is Dally Winston, Ralph Macchio is Johnny Cade, Rob Lowe is Soda Pop, or Patrick Swayze as Daryl. I mean, that this five-minute segment is all about introducing that cast mm-hmm. to you. Um, so as you look at this, who do you who are who jumps out to you as like maybe this person won the five? In a weird way, Dally, because I feel like his character's in it a lot. He like adds a lot of important plot elements i do think he is really important but i want to say um tom cruise because i like him in this five minutes and he's not gonna win another five minutes in the whole movie right he's not gonna win another five minutes he's really like barely in the rest of this movie yeah like like this added this added chunk is more cruise than you're gonna get in the rest of this movie yeah um but he's kind of inconsequential. Like I feel like like Dally is the gravitational center of this mm-hmm. five minutes. And what you see is, as an actor, Matt Dillon is so charismatic. Like yeah. you, it works. Yeah. Now what's interesting about this is that Tom Cruise is a charismatic person, a charismatic actor, um, and he gets. Along with every, I mean, he gets blown off the, he seems like comic relief in this. Yeah. Um, but, but like you, you look at this and if you were to just see this five minutes and say, who out of this group goes on to be, you know, like the great actor of his generation, the great movie star of his generation, especially let's say a great movie star of his generation, I would pick Matt Dillon. I would not yeah. look at Cruz and be like, that guy's going to become the mega movie star, which Cruz definitely does yeah. become. Um, so as much as I want to, I want to give an honorable mention to Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. But like, I really do think this is such an important five minutes to establishing Dally. And it's so great to see it back in the movie. Yeah. But Tom Cruise also tries to do a flip off a car. He does. <laughs> he does. And uh, yeah. And, and they make fun of his nose. Yeah. Which, uh, there's nothing wrong with his nose, but yes. And it's kind of funny, too, because they kind of play him off as like this comic relief character. And in the book, like two bits, the comic relief character. And he's seen as actually like kind of a jerk. And Ponyboy actually is like, sometimes I really hate him. And his character is both like so obsolete and also not at all that in the movie. Okay. So do we... Do we have a decision? Do we want to split the vote between? I feel like you. I feel like my, like my heart wants to give it to to Cruz, but yeah. my my head give, wants to give it to Dylan because I yeah. think I think Dylan actually like really is great in this. Yeah, I think it should go to him. Okay, but honorable mention to Tom Cruise. And you know, and maybe maybe there's a scene when he does the acrobatics later. Depending on how this movie breaks down, <laughs> maybe we can give Cruz maybe. a uh, maybe. Maybe he can win a five in there somewhere. <laughs> but it is it is funny that he is the least consequential of the people in this movie and he goes on as much as we can talk about this being a great cast like he blows the doors off of everybody in terms of the career that he yeah. has so um yeah so so i guess he he might win he he wins that <laughs> battle right like 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 
you've never heard of Matt Dillon, maybe, but you've heard of Tom Cruise. Yeah. So, all right, Esme, uh, that is all the time that we have. Um, this was really fun. I'm really enjoying this. We're about to get to the beginning of the theatrical release. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and there's so much more to come. So hopefully you will join us next week for another episode of Stay Gold. 